You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067. Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Hope you're doing well on this Wednesday, March 22nd, 2023. Jacob Goins and Carter Bird with you for the next two hours right here on ESPN 106.7. What a beautiful day again here in Auburn Opelika as the uh, weather's starting to turn up a little bit. The heat starting to come out as the as we're getting near the end of March. Going to get a little warmer here at the end of this week and uh, I'm sure a lot of you are uh, excited that it's no longer no longer chilly outside I like it when it's sunny and 50 but I know most people like it when it's like more in the 70 75 range around here but that's okay as baseball season uh, has uh, really taken off we're going to talk some baseball today uh, with Auburn baseball as they get a much needed victory last night as they prepare for Georgia coming up this weekend uh, and we'll talk all things baseball we'll also talk about the world uh, baseball classic that ended last night in historic fashion uh that ended up being really, really entertaining. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Also coming up at 2.30, Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 will join us talking about Georgia football as the basketball season is over and uh, get his thoughts on what to expect from spring practice, some of the storylines going into it. So looking forward to uh, getting back on the phone with Jordan Hill. And then coming up in hour number two, we'll talk to Trey Wallace who covers the SEC for OutKick. Uh, We will get his thoughts on everything going on in the SEC, basketball, football, baseball. And so uh, excited to have him on the show as well. But Carter, happy Wednesday, man. Happy Wednesday. It's uh, it's a good, beautiful day outside. Yes, it, it really is. is. I I uh, wore some shorts for, for the first time in a while because it got really cold there for a few days. So it's 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 good to uh, see it sunny and clear and uh, not rainy or cold like it has been for, I guess, the last four or five days. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, speaking of the good weather again, baseball uh, is what is happening right now with Auburn baseball getting a win last night and the uh, again, the World Baseball Classic wrapping up as well. We're going to talk about all of those things, some unfortunate news for Auburn baseball uh, about one of their uh, go-to guys on the mound, and so we'll talk about that as well. But hey, phone lines are open. 334-321-1390. Call in, be a part of the show, and be on the line we'd love to hear from you our listeners and what you have to say about Auburn baseball to this point in the season as we begin switching gears to uh, the baseball mindset and spring football we'll talk Auburn's pro day later on as well but we'd love to hear from you uh, about Auburn baseball 334-321-1390 you can also tweet at us at ESPN 1067 on Twitter we'd love to hear from you on there as well and yeah some unfortunate news for Auburn about Again, one of their uh, go-tos 
uh, this season for for Auburn. The news coming out that uh, Gonzalez is is out for Auburn mm-hmm. as of right now. Uh, it's going to be a few weeks for him that he is out for the Tigers and a big big loss for Auburn. Uh, the fact that uh, they're really their number one pitcher going into this year, Junior Joseph Gonzalez, uh, was uh, announced that he is out for the foreseeable future. Yeah, I mean, he was he's somebody that this Auburn team was going to have to rely on a lot this year. Um, not the most overpowering guy in terms of, like, he's not going to blow uh, 97 by you, but he has that sinker. He has a lot of sink on all his stuff. He's been really, really good in his one outing this year uh, on, I believe it was the second game of the year against uh, Indiana, he needed just 41 pitches to go five innings. Uh, I mean, he gets ground balls very quickly. He's a very efficient pitcher. He throws a lot of strikes. Um, and he's somebody who, it's, I mean, it's going to hurt to have him out. I mean, he's been dealing with shoulder tightness, some back stuff. And here we are at this point in the year. He's going to miss probably six weeks. And uh, he's going to see, I think, James Andrews. He's going to... he's. Going to get everything checked out, but I mean, this is the way that Auburn's kind of operated with pitchers is that Auburn's very conservative when you get injuries like this. Uh, it's going to be a grind here for the next few weeks, and if they can get him back um, at some point and get him um, at the top of his game, it definitely helps. Uh, but there's going to have to be some guys that have to step up because you're losing your number one starter, a guy who pitched for the collegiate national team, the T- Team USA. He's from uh, Puerto Rico. He's was a guy that they expected a lot out of. He pitched really, really well last year, uh, and it's a big blow to to not have him um, on the mound for the next for the coming weeks really yeah and you know this is something that Auburn has been dealing with uh, some injuries on this year's team which is why you've seen sort of a slow start out of the gates of SEC play where Auburn went on the road uh, and got swept by Arkansas a really good Arkansas team by the way they're number three in the country so this is a really really good Arkansas squad but you saw Auburn go on the road and get swept 2-7-3-9 and 0-5 and then last night uh, Auburn in their midweek game against South Alabama they had to battle for it they had to fight for it but they did beat South Alabama 6-5 down in Montgomery at Riverwalk Stadium a really nice stadium by the way if you've never been down there it's really really nice but Auburn gets the win in the midweek against South Alabama as they look forward to this weekend series against Georgia, which starts on Thursday. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a tough challenge against the Georgia team that Georgia's always talented, and Georgia for a while had a um, a stretch where for inexplicably they weren't as good as they should have been. Uh, but you look at them now, 14-7 and seven this year. Um, their first series in SEC play. I'm trying to see exactly what they did. They, it looks like, they got swept by South Carolina. How about that? I don't think I realized that. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is a team that's, they're good. Um, they're probably not one of the top teams Auburn's going to see this year. I mean, Auburn's going to run into, we, you already saw the series at Arkansas. Uh, you're about to see Auburn in a couple weeks go to Florida. I think that's a Florida team that I'm pretty sure handled Alabama this past weekend, if I'm recalling correctly. Uh, but I mean, it's it's gonna be 
it's going to be a challenge. It's going to be a challenge to um, navigate this. They they took two out of three against Alabama. Florida did. Uh, I mean, this is this is just really really good, man. And not having your number one pitcher puts you at a massive disadvantage on Friday nights, which is what we talked about coming into uh, the baseball season when we've had Lindsey Crosby on at times, and and our efforts to get him back on the show uh, are still in works, and he's a very busy guy. He's got a lot going on, but we will bring him on uh, periodically throughout the rest of this baseball season, but that's something we talked about with him, was just how good the SEC is, and how the entire SEC West was ranked and will probably make postseason ball and a couple of teams from the SEC East now you've had some shakeups here early on but you're only one series into SEC play have you just taken a glance at the SEC baseball standings yes because they're a mess yeah it's wild Tennessee preseason top three team best team in the country last year they got swept in the opening weekend Georgia got swept in the opening weekend Auburn Ole Miss Mississippi State all got swept you have five of the seven SEC West teams, which is supposed to be the really good half of the conference, below 500 one weekend in. Arkansas sweeping Auburn, so they had to be above 500, and LSU being 2-1. and one. The East is totally flipped on its head from what everybody thought. You would have thought you've got four teams that swept in the opening weekend, South Carolina, Kentucky, Missouri, and Vanderbilt all at the top of the league, uh, especially in the east side. It's just, it's going to be a really fascinating year. I don't think I had realized how good this South Carolina team's been. They're 20-2 and two this year. Kentucky's 19-2. and two. Mm-hmm. A couple teams you didn't expect a lot out of. Well, I mean, South Carolina's been good previously, but I don't think I had them picked at, at the top of the east. And what a start for... I mean, you've got three te- four teams in the SEC with just two losses. Yeah, and it's the start of SEC play, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we're, we're yeah, a series in, right? It's going to change, and it's going to all be jumbled up multiple times, but a lot of those big-name teams you railed off being swept in opening weekend, I just don't think is, is something that you would expect to see. Yeah. And Auburn in general, to, to, to loop it back to Auburn, getting swept in their first series of the year in SEC play by Arkansas. Again, a really good Arkansas team. You've got to find a way to take care of business this weekend against Georgia because if you don't, you already mentioned the tough schedule. Next weekend, you have to go to Florida, who just took two out of three against Alabama. Then you're back home against Texas A&M. After that, you really get into the heart of your SEC schedule when you have to go to Tuscaloosa, back home for Mississippi State, at South Carolina, home for LSU. I mean, you're just... It's really hard. It's brutal. To go at Arkansas... At these are just the road trips at Arkansas, at Florida, at Alabama, uh, at South Carolina, and at Ole Miss, the defending national champion, all in the SEC slate. I mean, it's that's just a brutal round of. I mean, the the only things that could have made it worse was if that LSU series was on the road at Alex Box Stadium, but uh, we will see how how the SEC shakes out because it's just. It feels like through one weekend there might be a little bit of like a, oh, maybe this might go way differently than we thought. Yeah, and with Auburn having to uh, deal with injuries and dealing with 
again, these these really insignificant injuries that just really hurt this team, like Joseph Gonzalez, who is out for the foreseeable future. Auburn's got to find a way to reel it in. And Auburn's got to find a way to score some runs as well because offensively has not been great for Auburn. You look at the series against Arkansas, they scored five combined runs in two games. Like, offensively, that's not good enough in college baseball. That's not good enough in the SEC. Now, you were going against a really good Arkansas team. I've said that multiple times and I'll continue to say it, but five runs over three games combined against Arkansas is not good enough to get it done. The bat's got to wake up for Auburn a little bit and score some runs to help out a pitching staff that's going to be depleted. Yeah, I mean, this is it's going to be a challenge. We, we, we've seen this team to this point. We've seen some guys... Uh, Auburn's already having to rely on a lot of fresh faces. Zach Crotchfield, uh, a freshman. Tommy Vale, a transfer in. These guys have to step up. And I think Tommy Vale, I think Tommy Vale pitched really well over the weekend, if I recall correctly. Um, but, I mean, the offense has to step up. I mean, if you're down um, on the pitching staff, the offense has to find a way to step up. Uh, defense has to play really well behind um, these pitchers. And it, it really helped to have a guy like uh, Nate LaRue that we talked about in the preseason as somebody who could have a big year coming back to this Auburn team. If he could get rolling, he's I think it's been a really slow start for him. I think things can turn around for this Auburn team. It's just, it's going to be an uphill climb all year. And it might just be one of those off years for Auburn baseball but it, it remains it's still early it, it remains to be seen we don't know what's happening in this conference right now I mean if you go to d1baseball.com their ouch list of teams that had a really rough week you got four SEC teams leading the way on that list of uh with, with it being Mississippi State Ole Miss Tennessee Auburn all on there with the way that their weeks went last week Everybody's looking to rebound because a lot of teams in this conference got knocked to the mat. I guess only some of them can actually get off the mat this weekend because you're going to have some matchups with each other. Um, I, I'm fascinated now the more I look at this SEC just to see who makes it to Hoover, who finishes at the top of the league, who makes the, the uh, NCAA tournament, who makes a regional because uh, we, we remember last year, arguably Ole Miss should not have gotten in. Ole Miss was the last team in the tournament, and they won a national championship. Mm-hmm. And that's just a testament to the depth and how difficult it is to navigate the SEC. A team that barely got in and almost missed it because they got beat up in an SEC play. They went on to win a national championship. The SEC will rebound. It will. And those teams that are struggling will hopefully play better, Auburn being included in that group. They have Georgia coming up after winning against South Alabama last night. They played Georgia. That series actually beginning tomorrow at Plainsman Park. It'll be a Thursday, Friday, Saturday series at Plainsman Park. Auburn coming home for their first SEC series at home this year, looking to rebound after getting swept against Arkansas. And I... Uh, and we, I should say, have two tickets for Auburn baseball versus Georgia on Thursday. Got two tickets to the Thursday.
Thursday game. That is tomorrow at Plainsman Park. Give us a call. First one, you get them. 334-321-1390. We'd love to hear from you talking Auburn baseball. We've got question of the day coming up, but call in and uh, see if you can get yourself a couple of tickets. Auburn baseball versus Georgia, the opener tomorrow. Tickets are going fast if you're trying to buy them, but we're trying to give a couple away here on On the Line. 334-321-1390. We'll have question of the day when we come back. You are on the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Question of the day here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line, 334-321-1390, the number to put you through to us. Want to hear your thoughts on uh, what we're about to talk about and uh, still have uh, still have two tickets for Auburn baseball on Thursday against Georgia. If you'd like to go, I got two tickets we'd love to give to you, 334-321-1390. Carter, here's the question. With the World Baseball Classic ending last night. Yes, how important is this tournament? Because it's very, very largely think, watched across the world. I think Americans tuned in late. And what a classic it was last night. What a game it was last night. What an ending it was last night in this game between the United States and Japan. But how important is this tournament? I think it's a, I think it's a very important tournament because in the world, because I think it's I think it depends on really where you are, where you reside in the world. I mean, right now, I think it's it's not great that it goes up against March Madness in America because March Madness is going to get all the views. Yes, we know this, and that's why you see this um, these games on FS1 and at times can be kind of hard to find. Previously, they've been on like the MLB Network and weird spots. You listen to people in other countries talk about this tournament. It's a massive deal. Mm-hmm. It's a massive deal in Japan. Uh, it's a massive deal all over the world. Um, I mean, all you had to look at when when the U.S. won their final game of, I think it was a must-win game versus Colombia. And Great Britain had already played. They were already done. They had already lost. They were not going to advance into tournament play. But you had the Great Britain coaches in the stands watching it because depending on the finish of that game, Great Britain could qualify for the next World Baseball, automatically qualify for the next World Baseball Classic or not. And I think it, I think if the U.S. won, they advanced. Mm-hmm. And the moment that the final out happened, the moment that the U.S. won, you could see just, like, what it means to some of these other countries around the world. Like, those coaches went nuts. They were hugging each other, and it was a really cool moment. It really was. Um, the, the There's rivalries in the World Baseball Classic. Um, I, I think I watched a video the other day on the early World Baseball Classic between, I think, maybe – Japan and like Korea and I think that they had a really heated rivalry and you had quotes from Ichiro like this is the most important thing and he's like he wanted to beat him by by 30 and like embarrass Korea to the point that they basically quit playing baseball (laughs) oh my gosh it was a big deal well look you can't look 
did I watch much of this of this World Baseball Classic? No, I didn't. Because, like you said, it's up against the NCAA tournament in March Madness, which that's going to that's going to get my attention more than anything because a I love college basketball, but Americans are going to watch the NCAA tournament more than they watch the World Baseball Classic. But that does not mean it's not important. And if you watched that final game last night, which was really, really fun, by the way, you're watching, it's like when you watch the, the World Cup in soccer or, what you know, when you watch something like that, you know you're watching the best of the best across the world play in an event like this. And what's really cool about it is you are seeing players that are teammates players that are rivals like you talked about that are playing for their home teams either coming together or competing against one another and last night was a perfect situation and scenario of that with the game on the line between Japan and the United States it was a 3-2 lead for Japan and it was the best baseball player in the world Shohei Otani on the mound to close it out for Japan with the Probably the best hitter in the game, one of the best of all time in the game, Mike Trout at the plate with a chance to tie it up. It's the two best baseball players on earth facing each other for the final out of the World Baseball Classic. But teammates in the MLB. Yeah, and how fascinating is that? That two generationally talented players. Shohei might be the best baseball player of all time. Mike Trout, we were having conversations before some injuries slowed down his, his career about what he would have to do to be the greatest baseball player of all time. And you have both of these guys on the same team, and they're irrelevant. Yeah. Yeah. How awful is that? Because the team, the Angels, have done nothing with them. They've paid them a buttload of money, but they haven't done anything with it. But the way that Japan celebrated last night when they beat the United States, when Shohei Otani was putting 100-mile-an-hour fastballs past Mike Trout, and he swung on an 86-curveball. He was amped, by the way. Yeah. Shohei Well, that's what I was wild. saying. Like, the team of Japan went absolutely crazy. And this is a huge tournament, and that's why I bring up this question, is it important or how important is it? It's very important. And you can see that from a team like Japan, who they grow up and they prepare for the World Baseball Classic. This is their version of a World Cup in soccer. They care a lot about baseball, and this was important to them. You can see how it's important to Mexico and a lot of these other countries that they put everything they have into the World Baseball Classic. And I think the United States, they take it seriously, and the players and coaches are about it, and there's a lot of fans across the country that love this World Baseball Classic. But I don't think sports fans as much appreciated here in the States, given everything else going on. But last night was a very awesome moment to watch, especially down the stretch where you had Kyle Schwarber hit a home run to make it a one-run game, and then Shohei Otani striking out Mike Trout to win the game for Japan. Yeah, I mean, you you had – how about the fact that you had three straight Phillies come to the plate uh, in big spots in that game too. You had – uh, Schwarber hit the home run, Trey Turner come up, and then Real Muto, Real Muto popping out on the first pitch. I that know. killed me. I know. You, could, you saw a couple bad at-bats by um, the Americans down the stretch there that I didn't love. Uh, I thought they should have gotten after Darvish because you know, uh, you know that Shohei is that freaky on the mound. I mean, Shohei's a starting pitcher, but he was – 
adrenaline was pumping because he was closing out the World Baseball Classic. He was a little wild at about, I think he threw one fastball below 100 miles an hour. It's crazy, man. He threw one 99-mile-an-hour fastball, and it was in on the hands on, um, think, I'm trying to think who it was. It was a lefty for, for the U.S. Um, it was whoever led off the inning, and and... But he was all over the place a little bit with the fastball. The slider, which is what he got mm-hmm. Trout on eventually, the slider looked good. The splitter looked good. Um, wh- whoever it was, I'm, uh, it was Jeff McNeil. Jeff McNeil led, uh-huh. led off the inning. Jeff McNeil had an awesome at-bat, and somehow he spit on, he took a... a 90-mile-an-hour splitter that may have missed out of the bottom of the strike zone by a quarter of an inch. And I just I don't know with with a guy who throws, can touch 103 with a fastball, has an amazing splitter, and a great slider, how you can possibly take that pitch. And he did. He got on base. And then the U.S. hit immediately into a double play. Yeah. It was just tailor-made. Well, yeah, well... There are people who don't like the World Baseball Classic, and I know we're about to be up against a break, but you saw Edwin Diaz, the big-time money closer for the Mets, get injured celebrating in this World Baseball Classic. He's out for the upcoming season. Yes, I saw that. I mean, that was horrible, obviously, but it also didn't happen in competition. It happened celebrating. And if that's going to happen, like, what are the odds that was going to happen anyway? Yeah, that's, exactly. I think that that's always something when you have an injury like that. I think something's wrong, and you're probably going to have that injury regardless. 30 minutes into hour number one, Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 joins us when we come back. You are on the line with Jacob Goins. And Carter Bird on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Halfway through hour number one here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goins and Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7. Well, welcoming in Jordan Hill of Dogs 247. Uh, took a week off last week, but uh, Jordan, hope all is well. And uh, has it slowed down for you at all, my friend? Oh, it never slows down. Between football getting started, this was the second week of spring ball. You got the basketball transfer portal. It's uh, nonstop. You know what? We wouldn't want it any other way. That's right. It is a uh, it's a good time with March coming to an end, and like you mentioned, spring football is underway here in the South, and that's where we will start our conversation. What are some of the storylines in Athens right now as we get into the start of spring practice coming out of this Georgia football team and the program? What are some of the big storylines that people should know about? Well, you know, the biggest thing is the quarterback battle with Stetson Bennett moving on, getting ready to play in the NFL. And uh, you got a three-man race to replace it, Carson Beck. Brock Vandergriff and Gunnar Stockton really looks like Carson Beck and uh, Brock Vandergriff are the two leading candidates. Uh, although nobody's counting out the uh, redshirt freshman Gunner Stockton, really. Other than that, just general big picture, you've got Georgia trying to go back to back to back, which would be quite the accomplishment. Um, you know, it's a situation where you go into a new year, a lot of uh, questions about what this team returns, what they're capable of doing in another year where they got the target on their back. So uh, there's no shortage of storylines. You've got Battles at other positions, offensive tackle, cornerback, safety. Uh, but it's really 
the majority of the talk is going to be about those quarterbacks, and you know that they're going to be scrutinized throughout the spring and, and when we look forward in the fall camp. Yeah, Jordan, when you look at this Georgia team, are we are we going to find out that there's another uh, kind of like freak athlete tight end on this roster that's been hiding and like fourth on the uh, depth chart with with I guess Darnell Washington moving on, but you still got Brock Bowers and and some of the guys in that room. How are how are some of the skill position uh, skill positions looking on the offensive side of the ball? You know, a big question, and we're really still trying to figure it out is what this offense is going to look like just personnel wise. You know, there was a lot of two tight end sets this past season because you want to get Brock Bowers and Darnell Washington on the field at the same time. Darnell's gone now, and they've got other talented tight ends behind Brock but a really loaded receiver room. They add Ra-Ra Thomas from Mississippi State. They add Dominic Lovett from Missouri. You know, you kind of wonder, well, we're going to see more three tight end sets, or three receiver sets, I should say, and, uh, you know, just leaving Brock out there. Or do they feel comfortable with the depth behind Brock at the position? Oscar Delp was a four-star that was a freshman last year and showed real signs of progress over the year. Um, You know, that's a question that, even now, I don't think they have quite the answer to, especially with Mike Bobo stepping in as the new OC. I think he's still trying to get that figured out, and I think it's something that's going to be sort of a work in progress and something they try to figure out over the course of the uh, spring and also going into the fall. I'm glad you brought up Mike Bobo because that's exactly where I was going next. You wrote a, an interesting article today about Mike Bobo and the things that he is doing early on with this Georgia offense. Not that they're doing a ton right now as they're just a couple of weeks in, but are there anything and are any changes that you have noticed watching a couple of practices in, in what, uh, my, uh, what Mike Bobo is doing with this offense or what he might do with the offense down the road? Uh, it's kind of too soon to tell, and to be honest, what we've gotten to watch in practice hasn't really been enough to really make a call one way or the other. I mean, it's been a lot of individual drills, not so much getting to watch 11-on-11 11 11 or anything like that, but my expectation is we're going to see a lot of three-receiver sets because of the talented position, and you know, I kind of made this point. You know, People are a little frustrated. Fans are a little frustrated thinking, well, why is Mike coming in here and changing things? It's not so much that. It's a product of the personnel the product that they have so many good receivers and they still have talent at tight end, but I think they want to get those speedy guys on the field. And uh, I think he's going to try to figure out a way to do that. Um, So you might see less two tight end sets, but I don't think that's really as much indicative of what Mike Bobo wants to do, but more so about making the most of the personnel, which any of these coaches, that's the number one job is maximizing the talent you got on the field. Jordan, we know that the the Georgia defense has been awesome for the last couple years. They're losing more pieces to the NFL draft with Jalen Carter uh, and Keely Ringo and some other guys like Nolan Smith. Uh, What what, what are we seeing on the defensive side of the ball, and is this Georgia defense going to pick up where those guys left off? Well, I think so. I mean, there's still no shortage of talent. I think you look at um, the guys coming back and, and some proven young guys, Kamari Laster at corner, Malachi Starks uh, at safety, who was just a freshman last year. The biggest question to me is going to be that defensive line. I mean, Jalen Carter in the middle there was just an absolute monster. And, you know, he needs, uh, you know, with him gone, George's got to find a way to replicate that kind of production. Now, it may not be just one guy. Um, and, you know, you got talented guys like Nazir Stackhouse and, uh, Zion Logue, who played quite a bit last year. But, uh, you know, if you can get pressure, whether it's against the run, stuffing the run, or getting pressure up the middle on the quarterback, I mean, that 
that's such a huge advantage. So to me, that's really the key to this whole uh, defensive, you know, looking at the defense going into a new year is uh, who can step up and really generate that force in the middle of the defensive line. Because if they can figure that out, I think they're going to be in really good shape once again. Speaking with Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line, Carter brought up the fact that Georgia losing some guys to the NFL. Uh, They had Pro Day uh, just a little while ago, and as the draft quickly approaches for the NFL, what are your feelings about where some of these Georgia Bulldogs could end up and where they could be taken in the NFL draft? I think the biggest question is still Jalen Carter. I mean, no one's really questioned his talent, but you have the situation where he was involved in the accident that claimed the lives of a teammate and a staffer. Uh, he was charged with uh, reckless driving in that incident and, uh, you know, followed that up on pro day and honestly didn't have a very good performance. You know, looked a little out of shape, had gained weight. Uh, I think he's a really talented guy, and I think it's going to be a situation where you've got teams that are trying to decide is he worth the risk you know I think he's a guy that could still wind up uh, being a top 10 pick and he's definitely a top 10 talent just based on what he's done in the past but really besides him you know I think Broderick Jones is a guy with a whole lot of talent uh, that you know probably be in that 10 to 15 range I've seen a lot of projections to the New York Jets some talks about the Tennessee Titans Um, you know I think those are kind of your top two and kind of have questions about some of the other guys. Nolan Smith, there's uh, been a lot uh, made of what he's been able to do since the Combine and Pro Day, some connections with the Atlanta Falcons picking there at eight. Uh, but then you got Keely Ringo, a guy that uh, you know has made a lot of plays. You know, didn't quite have the speed that people were hoping he would at the NFL Combine, but uh, could be a guy that sneaks in there. And then Darnell Washington, I mean, he's essentially a unicorn at that position. Uh, and and it's, it's somebody that you know, I could see a team saying, look, we're not going to pass on a guy this athletic and this big, and we're going to take a chance on it. Yeah, when you look at, at those guys that you just mentioned, uh, Jalen Carter, a lot's been made about his draft stock with all the, the stuff surrounding the, the accident and then the, the pro day. Some people are, I, I don't agree with this, but some people are saying that he's going to drop to the uh, potentially out of the first round. I don't see that happening. How How much do you think that, he could drop in this NFL draft? I mean, I honestly would be surprised if he is still on the board by the time, um, you know, the 10th pick comes around. I think a team like the Seattle Seahawks, you know, they're, they're a team, especially with as long as John Schneider and Pete Carroll have been together, I think they trust their process. And, you know, I think they're a team that could look into Dalen if they feel comfortable with his background and say, look, we're going to go get him. You know, they would go get him. I think the Atlanta Falcons would probably be super excited if he was still on the board when they pick at eight. Uh, yeah, I, I don't see you know him falling uh, beyond the top ten. He's just so talented. I think people are going to make sure and do their uh, research into him, make sure they feel comfortable with the kind of person he is on top of the talent he has. And at the end of the day, I, I just don't see him going past uh, any farther than the tenth pick. Speaking with Jordan Hill of Dogs 247, you mentioned uh, the fact that Georgia, as they come into spring practice, they are looking for the three-peat as national champions. Has Kirby Smart said anything about that? He doesn't seem like the type of guy to uh, really uh, relinquish on the past, I guess, and really live in the past. But uh, has he said anything about how difficult it is to try and three-peat in today's age of college football? 
Yeah, you know, I, I think sort of um, the mantra that Kirby is putting out there, and he really hasn't said this, but it's coming from his players, is that you're not really defending anything. And that, that was the message last year, and I think it's going to be something very similar. You know, I was really struck talking to Cedric Van Pran last week. He talked about, you know, when it comes to the guys coming back and this team got a big talking point is a lot of what this team has was inherited not earned you know some of the older guys on this team were responsible for some of the winning that has happened and there are several guys that contributed and played big roles last year but I think that's sort of the mindset is that look you know if we want to be part of a championship team a lot of the guys are going to be playing this year you know then play quite as important roles this time last year so I think that's the mindset of not being complacent um, understanding that, yeah, it would be really special if this program wins three straight, but that not necessarily everybody who's going to be involved in this year's team, you know, played big roles on either of those two teams. So that's sort of the mindset that, you know, this group coming back, if they are able to win it, it's not so much that they are continuing uh, the success from the past, but that these guys get a chance to play a bigger role and they want to take advantage of it. Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 talking all things Georgia athletics, really about football as spring practice has started. The NFL draft coming up with a number of Georgia Bulldogs going to be taken in the NFL draft. Jordan, we appreciate you and your time, man. Let everybody know where they can keep up with you and Dogs 247 and what you got coming up. Absolutely. Dogs247.com on Twitter at Jordan Davis Hill at Dogs247 on Twitter. Uh, Just a lot of spring ball talk. Wrote about Kamari last year, Brock Bowers, Mike Bobo today. Uh, We'll have a chance to talk to some more players on Thursday afternoon. So we're really in the thick of it when it comes to spring ball, but there'll be all kinds of uh, chances to analyze what's coming up and and get a feel for this team as we get closer and closer to G-Day on April 15th. Jordan, we appreciate your time, man. Always good to talk to you. Be careful. All right, appreciate you guys. That is Jordan Hill of Dogs 247, again, joining us on the phone lines to talk Georgia football. And, uh, yeah, just it's interesting when you really sit back and look at it about how the mindset has to be for a team and a program like Georgia who is coming off of back-to-back national championships, going into it to where technically you're trying to three-peat, but I just don't think you can take that mindset into a season. Like, yeah, I mean, we saw after the national championship some of the ridiculous statements made by Georgia play- players like, y'all thought we were going to go 6-6, six and six. y'all thought we were going to be awful, y'all didn't think we could be here. No, nobody said that. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> nobody thought that. Preseason, one of the top two, one of the two or three favorites to win a national championship, and you went and did it. Uh, you're probably going to be in the same boat going into this year, I would imagine, uh, because there's so much talent on that roster. The way that they've recruited, uh, the way they've dominated the trenches, makes that team really hard to beat. And I don't, I don't see that changing. I think that they, you can kind of rotate uh, people at the skill positions as long as you're as dominant as they are up front. It's easier to win games. Let's just be honest about it. Yeah, and with Kirby Smart working and coming out of the Nick Saban coaching tree, and that's what I told Jordan, it's like I just don't think Kirby is that type of guy to come into this thing with, with tr- again, trying to live in the past of, oh, yeah, we're back-to-back national champs. Like, no, it's probably Kirby time Smart, to get to work right now. Kirby Smart probably has pays some beat writer to have a Creed Thoughts 
uh, Word document where he types out uh, Georgia's going to be the worst team in college football, and then he just prints it out, and Kirby puts it all over the uh, the locker room. It's an article that doesn't really exist, uh, and it's just to fuel the fire for this Georgia program. Well, whatever he's doing, it's working right now. As Georgia gets going with spring practice, you heard uh, their G-Day, their uh, spring game coming up in just a couple of weeks. And so we'll talk to Jordan around then and see uh, what the team is looking like, some updates from practice over in Athens. But we'll get to our final break here in hour number one and talk about the video from Auburn's Pro Day yesterday that went viral of Cam Newton. We'll talk about it when we come back. On the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Couple of more minutes here in hour number one of the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Big thank you to Jordan Hill of Dogs247 hopping on uh, to talk all things Georgia football. Spring practice underway in Athens and talk about some of the uh, guys who are going to be drafted in the NFL draft coming up in just a few weeks and uh, talk about their pro day. And speaking of pro day, Auburn's pro day was yesterday coming up to start the second hour. We'll talk about a lot of the results from the pro day, what we saw, what we liked, what we didn't like, some interesting storylines coming out of pro day. But the video that went viral from Pro Day yesterday was Cam Newton's rollout throw down the field to his little brother. To his little brother, and social media ran away with it. And credit to friend of the program Lance Dahl who took the video. It went absolutely viral, and uh, everybody out, was using it. All the accounts used it. I mean, it was it was everywhere, and everybody was what a dime by Cam Newton. What a throw! Was it that good of a throw? I, yeah, I think it's a good throw. I think he had good uh, velocity on it. But, I mean, that's a typical pro day throw. I mean, we right. we saw Zach Wilson have the throw. <laughs> that was that the made big comparison, the, yes. The second pick in the NFL draft. I mean, it And now he's replaced. It happens. <laughs> and now he's well, replaced. is he? Because that hasn't happened yet. It hasn't happened yet, but it's going to happen at some point. It, I mean, it's it's wouldn't going it, to happen. Wouldn't it be something if he's uh, – if Zach – if this – Ready to win it all Jets team is led by Zach Wilson because they don't have the other quarterbacks on the team. Oh, they would be they would be so upset if that's how it happened. But no, so Cam funny. Cam had a, a nice throw. Again, it was a pro day throw. It was a a just an untimed throw. There's nobody coming at you, right? There's no defenders coming at you. But he rolled out. He stepped into it. He delivered it on time on target. Like, it was a really good throw down the field. But it went viral. It really, really did. People ran away with it. And it gets into our conversation we had yesterday of, is he good enough to be playing in the NFL right now? We both agree that he should. I mean, is he a starter? I don't know. But I think he could compete a couple of places. I think if he's gotten healthy, um, and I mean, I think time away from the game has probably allowed his body to recuperate and get healthier. I mean, if the arm's there and the athleticism is still there and he can go to a team that has an offensive line because he's not done that at any point in his career, I mean, I think he can be um, – a starting caliber quarterback in the NFL. I mean, I think he's better than Sam Howell. I think he's better than Gardner Minshew. And I think he's better than, uh, who's the other? Oh, Tannehill. Tannehill with yes. the Titans were the ones that yes. we talked about. You can have a discussion about Mac Jones. You can have a discussion about a couple other guys. Uh, but those are the main ones. I mean, 
the the NFC South, I think that there's a lot of question marks there in terms of quarterbacks with Desmond Ritter, Baker Mayfield, um, currently Andy Dalton, but probably going to be C.J. Stroud mm-hmm. um, for the Panthers. I mean, yeah. Who I mean, threw at his pro day today, by the way. C.J. Stroud at Ohio State uh, looked pretty good in his pro day. I mean, he, I he's, mean he's really good. I think he's the best quarterback in the draft. I, I 100% size, agree. I think he's got the size. I think he did the last game we saw him play. He's dicing up a really good Georgia defense. Just dicing them up. Best game we saw him play all year. Showed more athleticism than I think we we typically have seen from him. I mean, I think I think he is the best quarterback in this draft. I still have concerns about Bryce Young's ability to stay healthy in the NFL because he's so small. Yep, that's my that's my big concern with Bryce Young is just his size and look he he overcame it in college and balled out in college don't get me wrong but this is not college football anymore man you're going to play against the best of the best the biggest the fastest the strongest in the world and I just don't know if Bryce Young especially when you get drafted high overall in that first round there's a reason those teams are drafting with the first five picks like they are not great and they need help and a lot of times it's on the offensive line because they've churned through quarterbacks and so that's the concern with Bryce Young I think CJ Stroud's the best quarterback in this draft but Cam Newton how cool was it for him to throw at Auburn's pro day yesterday that uh, is I think just, it's awesome it was really really neat to see and so we'll see if he gets a chance in the pros video went viral maybe somebody will take a chance on Cam Newton but hour number one is in the books come back we'll talk about Auburn's pro day come Coming up in hour number two. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067. Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird. You're on the line. You're on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika, sports leader. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Hope you're doing well on a sunny, beautiful afternoon here in the Auburn Opelika area, Wednesday, March 22nd, 2023. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird, with you here in hour number two of the Wednesday edition of On the Line. If you missed any of the first hour, be sure to go and catch up with the podcast. You can find it at ESPNAU.com or just search On the Line wherever you get your podcast. Uh, we talked some Auburn baseball, also the World Baseball Classic as it ended last night. And then uh, Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 joined us on the phone lines to uh, discuss Georgia football as their spring practice gets underway and talked about some of the players who are looking to get drafted in the upcoming NFL draft. And so if you missed any of that from the first hour, again, go and catch up with the podcast at ESPNAU.com. It'll be there commercial free right after the show today. So be sure you go back and do that. 
But coming up here in uh, the second hour, we'll talk Auburn's football pro day yesterday. Uh, we already mentioned Cam Newton again throwing yesterday, but we'll talk about the, the players that are actually on Auburn's roster and see what their stats were, uh, what their performances were, some storylines coming out of that one that's really, really interesting about one of Auburn's quarterbacks in this quarterback battle. So we'll talk about that coming up in a few minutes. And coming up at 3.30, Trey Wallace, who covers the SEC for OutKick, will join us again on on the show at 3.30 to talk all things SEC, basketball, football, baseball, lots to talk about with him. So that'll be at 3.30. So looking forward to that. But until then, phone lines are open. Give us a call, 334-321-1390. You can call in and talk about whatever it is is on your mind in the world of sports. Anything we're talking about, anything you want to talk about, we'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. You can also tweet at us at ESPN 106. Six, seven. Uh, your comments, questions, concerns, you can tweet at us at ESPN 1067. And Carter, before we get into Auburn's Pro Day, did you see who showed up at Alabama's basketball practice today before they make a trip to Louisville? I did not. Nick Saban happened to stop by today and watch practice for Alabama and give them a little talk. In that, in that did not nice. See that. They posted it. Alabama's basketball uh, Twitter account posted about an hour ago. You know, big thanks to Coach Saban for stopping by. I think that's really interesting timing wise that Mr. Saban would stop by and talk to the Alabama basketball team. Yeah, uh, that's fascinating. <laughs> uh, that's Isn't that awesome? Totally. I mean, you can't make it up. Let's do some PR because we know how this is doing. We need to show a united front and maybe uh, hopefully shut up all the uh, discussion about Nick Saban's comments. Yeah, can't. I mean, again, can't make it up. That is that is PR. And look, it needed to be done. Something needed to be done. But yeah, I just thought that was. I wanted to. I wanted to mention that. I figured our listeners would get a get a kick out of that in case they had not seen it yet. As uh, again, Nick Saban stopping by Alabama basketball practice just to just to say hello and and make sure everybody's doing okay before they make a trip to the Sweet Sixteen. But Carter, let's get into the numbers and the storylines coming out of Pro Day yesterday for Auburn Uh, we've got the stats pulled up some really impressive numbers from some guys Uh, you had Tank Bigsby who uh, his 40 officially was a 4-4-5 and the videos of him running he looked good like he looked really really good at the pro day yesterday he had the uh, quote of apparently he said to himself as he was going out there for uh, drills time to get paid time to get paid uh, as Justin Ferguson friend of the station here uh tweeted out so i found that funny but by the way we're gonna have to talk about it at some point the jeffrey emba quotes from his media availability today oh boy awesome yep they are yeah we'll, <laughs> we'll get into those as well but yeah i think tank and it just kind of working through some of these guys that worked out yesterday he looked good he, he he looked good physically he looked good running uh we have i mean so much we've talked about tank bigsby and how good he is and how good he can be with some help around him and man he has the potential to be a really really good NFL running back if he can get on a team that will give him the ball will give him a chance to to run it a little bit and actually give him some holes to get into to where he can show that open field speed because sure he'll he'll lower his helmet and run somebody over but I think it's an underrated part of Tank's game that he is fast in the open field like he can he can outrun some people and and if somebody does come up, he'll just run him over. Yeah, I mean, he's at 215, honestly, was a little bigger than I thought he would have weighed in at. I don't know what he, what he weighed in at the combine, but 
Uh, I think it, the fact that his 40 time has a 4-4 at the start of it, I think, is huge for him as a running back. Uh, a 4-5 is not the end of the world. He would think he's a 4-5-6 at the NFL Combine. But to show that 4-4 speed, I think you feel a lot better. He showed up five pounds heavier than he did at the NFL Combine, according to what I'm looking at. Uh, some of the other guys that you saw out there, I thought you saw some some pretty impressive uh, performances. I mean, I look at uh, John Samuel Schinker uh, with his, his uh, 40 time being a little quicker than I think uh, I expected at a 4.53. He put up the 27 reps on bench press. That's which, impressive. Which, by the way, is more than anybody did at Ohio State's uh, pro day because I happened to see those stats a second ago. Um, and that wasn't even the highest on the team that went yesterday. Well, yeah, Brandon Council, your, your offensive lineman. Um, I thought he had a pretty good day. I thought he showed some athleticism yeah. with the vertical. Uh, I thought his bench press number at 29 was good. Uh, broad jump wasn't great, but I mean he's 302 pounds and he didn't run spectacular at a 5.42. Uh, but I mean I, I do think Brandon Council may have done enough to be like to get an invite to somebody's um, training camp and uh, be a, or maybe even be an undrafted free agent uh, signee uh, after after the NFL draft. And then, of course, Shed Jackson with what he did yesterday. Uh, 6'1 and a quarter, 193 pounds, 38 and a half inch vertical, 11 foot 2 inch broad jump, which is huge. To give you a comparison, Tank's broad jump at the combine was 9 feet 11 inches. So a foot and 3 inches like longer. Yeah. Then he ran a 4'3. Uh, well, this says a 4'25. Which if that that's even I've seen four three two I've seen four three two I've seen four two five if he's running like that somebody's gonna sign him mm-hmm. after the draft because we've you can like we said yesterday there is value in the in pro days because you get to show off some athleticism we've seen Auburn players test well and make NFL careers for themselves like Brandon King who really didn't get on the field at Auburn. Shed obviously got out on the field a lot more. I would expect him to be signed by an NFL team after the draft. I don't think he's going to be drafted, but who knows? I mean, day three, seventh round, maybe. Yeah, I, I don't think Shed will get drafted, but I do think he will find his way onto a roster thanks to... Uh, thanks to his performance yesterday at the pro day, and that's the the conversation that a lot of people have. And we brought that question up yesterday: Are pro days worth it? Are they do they mean anything? And we were talking before coming on the air. They were showing some C.J. Stroud highlights from his pro day, and I said, "What do you really learn from C.J. Stroud throwing at the pro day? Like you're not going to learn a whole lot about C.J. Stroud." in March throwing in again in the practice facility with a bunch of cameras turned on because in that instance with somebody who is that good who is going to be drafted very very high look at the game film that's what matters but with a guy like Shed Jackson who did play and has decent game film but is not getting a lot of love from NFL draft prospects and NFL draft mock drafts I should say 
Yesterday was a huge day for him because he was able to show out and really put up some impressive numbers in the pro day to where he might be getting a few phone calls. And I think that's what's important is to remember about pro days like this is with the big name guys who are already getting so much coverage, no, you're not going to learn a whole lot, but it is good for guys like Shed Jackson to come out and perform well because it may lead to something down the road. An interesting storyline I want to... Here's something interesting. The top broad jumps from the NFL Combine from 2003 to now, Julio Jones had the ninth longest broad jump at 11 feet 3 inches. So one inch wow. farther than Shed Jackson. Wow. How about that? How about that? Interesting. Good for him, man. Course, he did. He had, had great numbers. You had Byron Jones who jumped 12 feet 3 inches. That was and ridiculous. And set a world record that in was the insane. broad jump at the combine. Yep. Just insane stuff. Oh, that was really, really crazy. But um, as I was saying, the storyline I want to to get into is the fact that John Samuel Shanker, he worked out yesterday in the pro day. And of course, being uh, being a tight end, he went out and did some receiving drills. Well, somebody's got to throw that football. And you know who threw for him yesterday at the pro day? It was Holden Gariner who threw to John Samuel Shanker yesterday. And that was not by accident. That was not, that was not uh, just blindly choose. John Samuel Shanker got to choose who throws for him. And he chose Holden Gariner because he said he's got a really good arm. Here's the quote from Shanker. He said, I was able to choose who I got to throw today, Shanker said. I think he's a great quarterback, and it was a lot of fun to throw with him today. So take that for what you will. I don't know if you want to read in a lot of it, but out of all the quarterbacks on the roster, Shanker picked the young guy, Holden Gariner, to throw at the program. Yeah, and there were some very positive things. I think he impressed some people. I think you saw, uh, I think Tank Bigsby said he's one of the most accurate quarterbacks he's ever seen, Um, which, to be fair, maybe the other guys uh, in Tank Bigsby's Auburn career weren't the most accurate. Maybe. Oh, you're saying you're saying the quarterbacks he's comparing to <laughs> yes. may not be fair. Well, we're, it's, we're talking it's, about two years of Auburn Bo Nix that was inconsistent, and then one year of T.J. Finley and Robbie Ashford. Yeah, <laughs> that's very very fair. But some of the quotes from Bigsby, yeah, he said he's one of the most accurate quarterbacks I've ever met, and he's a good guy. Uh, he's a mature guy. He looked at me today before we started throwing. He said, "Hey." I ain't a freshman no more. Hey, you and I said, and here's what Tank said back. He said, you don't look like it. So <laughs> that is a positive sign. If you want to read into this super heavy, you can. That's not why we bring it up. But it is interesting that out of the quarterbacks, Shanker picked Holden Gariner to throw, and you have a guy like Tank Bigsby, who is a big name coming out of this program, talking so highly of Holden Gariner, talking about his accuracy and how he looked good at the at the pro day yesterday. So for Auburn fans in general, when we talk about the quarterback battle, these are all positives. It, it, it's, it's going to help Holden Gariner, and it's going to help the quarterback battle overall when you have good things to say like this. Yeah, maybe maybe we're, we're seeing uh, Holden Gariner um, make some noise in this race. Maybe he we've kind of had him a distant third from what, what the word has been early. Um, maybe he's closing that gap. Maybe... Maybe he can make this interesting. Maybe he can push TJ Finley and Robbie Ashford for that starting quarterback position. Wouldn't that be interesting? I think it's possible. He was the guy that you and I talked about. He's the guy that I thought really could win the spring. 
I thought he it was primed for him to impress. I think maybe it was a little bit of a slow start in the first couple of practices. Maybe we're starting to see him come around here. Maybe yesterday is a confidence booster. I mean, he was throwing next to Cam Newton at a pro day. Like that's got to be that's got to be, be a, cool. a pretty good feeling and pretty yeah. cool. And for him to, from what it seems like, perform as well as he did. Now people aren't watching him, but they sort of are at the same time. Maybe that's a, a, a situation where he can say, "Okay, yes, I can do this. I can perform at this high level." Because if you remember the few times he got in this past year, it was a disaster. But he got thrown into the worst possible situations, the worst possible scenarios for the young freshman to be thrown into. And so, I think it's fair for him to to want people to forget about that because, again. I just don't think you can hold all that against him because he went in in the worst possible times and didn't perform well, but nobody really expected him to. I think we might see a fresher holding Garner, and I think he could make a push for the quarterback battle, and it would make it really interesting. Yeah, I think it certainly would be be fascinating. By the way, I I went and found the results from the 2023 NFL Combine. We were talking about Shed Jackson. Where do you think his 40 time and his broad jump would rank among players that participate, receivers that participated in the combine this year? Probably not great. His broad jump would be tied for second behind Jalen Hyatt. One inch inch behind Jalen Hyatt. His 40 time would be the fastest for Shed Jackson. Oh, 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 I I totally misunderstood your question. Totally. Okay. Got you now. His, I totally misunderstood what you were asking maybe, me. But I, I may have misspoken. Okay, you're I, talking I about have. his pro day results, where they would rank in the combine. Yes. Got he you. He would have okay. run the fastest 40 okay. at the yeah, combine. Well, probably pretty high. Yeah, exactly. He, he would have had tied for second in the broad jump. Wow. Tied for 12th in the vertical, which is still pretty good, considering the amount of people that did jump at that Uh Bench press is not, I guess, as bad as you would think. Uh, just because I, I, I don't know. You've, you do have. I don't think these receivers go out there and post huge numbers. I was about I mean, to say, I'm not really. Yeah, I'm you not had four guys crack twenty. Yeah, I'm not really worried if the receiver can put up twenty five reps on bench press. Like that's not my concern. I think all of the other things that we've talked about, the broad jump, the forty time, those are all really important. Where do you think John Samuel Shinker's forty time would rank? Oh goodness. I don't know. I think if I'm reading this correctly, he would have had the fastest 40 time at the combine of any tight end. How about that? Huh. I do don't know? think I ever would have thought that. I don't think I would have thought that either. He would have cleared the, the I mean, he would have head and shoulders been the strongest tight end there on bench press. Oh, yeah. He he showed out. Not on even bench close. Press. I mean, he's four reps more than the next guy. Uh, I mean, you'll take that. You will take that for sure. Yeah. I, mean, I think I mean, he had. He had an impressive day. He didn't. He didn't broad jump well. That's that's not great. His broad jump jump would have been the worst on this list that I do see. Um, and he had the same vertical as Darnell Washington. Interesting. Interesting. Well, it seems like based off of what we've seen and the numbers that we have, it seems like the guys that went yesterday at the pro day for Auburn had a pretty good day. And I think everybody nobody really just had a bad performance I don't think uh some guys really jumped off the page again uh Shanker and Shed Jackson 
those guys really uh, had a good day at the pro day yesterday. I think there were some guys that had bad performances, but those guys, you they were never going to be signed in the NFL anyway. Which is fair. Which is fair. But uh, exciting to see what is happening with these guys at Auburn's Pro Day. And again, the storyline uh, that comes out of this quarterback-wise is holding Garner seemed to look pretty good yesterday at the Pro Day. And so, again, take that for what it is. We'll talk about this some more when we come back and just where this quarterback battle sits right now for Auburn as spring practice is underway. Give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. We'll talk Auburn quarterbacks when we come back. You are on the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Back inside the studio at ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. As we talk the uh, Auburn quarterback situation as spring practice is, of course, underway. And uh, don't know a ton about it yet and what is going to happen. But, uh, I mean, look, we've talked about how how we believe uh, that there's a good chance uh, that the starting quarterback for Auburn may not even be on the roster yet. Uh, but the news about holding Garner looking pretty good yesterday, I think, plays into this. We have to find out if TJ Finley's still going to be on this team. Has Robbie Ashford gotten any better? What do they look like in the spring? And of course, A Day is coming up here soon. And so we'll see what comes out of that as well. But the quarterback, it's just like talking with Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 about how the quarterback battle in Athens is the biggest storyline. Of course, it's the biggest storyline here in Auburn as well. Well, it's it's so different, though. It's because you, you've you got uh, one scenario where, where um, all the pieces are in place around the quarterback position in Georgia, and you've got... 14 stars worth of quarterbacks fighting it out for I mean you almost 15 stars between those three guys fighting it out for the starting quarterback job um and in Auburn you've got a couple question marks fighting it out and trying to elevate a team that had a a losing record last year a little different a little different just a little bit two-time defending national champion I would I would trade uh if I were an Auburn fan I would trade for that situation, 10 times out of 10, 100 times out of um, 100. Yeah, I mean, they're having to replace Stetson Bennett and and try to just wipe away the tears as they're watching their rings be delivered from back-to-back national championships. But Auburn and Georgia both having quarterback battles, and I think Auburn fans should keep an eye on that Georgia quarterback battle to see what happens over there because you just never know who's going to win it and you never know what they might do. But... Auburn's battle as of right now you've got to look at the guys who are on the roster you're looking at Holden Garner you're looking at TJ Finley and you're looking at Robbie Ashford and those are the guys you have to look at because they're the ones that are here they're the ones that are battling right now and you heard from last week that the quarterbacks didn't have a great week this week was something Hugh Freeze was going to focus on and make sure they got better because he was not impressed with them in week one of of spring practice and so interested to see what he says coming out of this week but sounded like he was gonna he was gonna fix some things with these quarterbacks uh coming out of last week yeah I think this is it's important for this quarterback race to have a little movement show some progress uh you've heard about some other position groups specifically linebacker Hugh has talked about how much they've improved uh but as is the way in 
uh, football. You can only go so far with subpar quarterback play. I mean, I think to, I mean, talking about let's let's bring up the team that's most likely going to have your long-term NFL quarterback, the New York Jets. That was a really good football team this past year in the NFL with really bad quarterback play, mm-hmm. and they did not make the playoffs as a result. If they had good quarterback play, if they had Aaron Rodgers, we're talking about a team that could win a Super Bowl. I mean, that's just ha- like that's how this game functions. If you don't have somebody who could run the offense, uh, command the huddle, be a leader, get the ball in the hands of the skill position players, and yes, offensive line and defensive line they matter. Winning in the trenches matters. But if you got a really bad quarterback play, you're not going to go very far. So it is critical that Auburn sees improvement over the next couple weeks. And as we get to A-Day, if not, Auburn's going to go get a quarterback out of the portal, maybe two. I mean, there's names that have I've seen thrown against a wall trying to see what sticks. I mean, there are names out there that will be there, I think, in May. I think Auburn's going to get a quarterback regardless because I think somebody in this quarterback room is going to leave I had, I mean, I'm not sold that TJ Finley could win the job in the spring, could lead the spring as the number one quarterback and still transfer for all we know. I mean, it's, it's quarterback is such a big question mark. And when, I mean, the, if you notice the other position that was talked about that had a long way to go that needed to improve was wide receiver. Mm-hmm. I do wonder how much can your wide receivers take that next step and can they improve with sub quarterback play of trying to deliver them the football yeah I think it's a great great point I mean if you're trying to you obviously within drills and mindset and and learning different things like that but yeah at the end of the day they got to have a good quarterback to throw them the football so they can see how good they are and see if they can get better and get the chemistry together and and all of that so yeah you're exactly right I mean how much better can your wide receivers get in the spring if there's not a good enough quarterback to throw them the football. And I think that is something Auburn has to address. I think it's something Hugh Freeze understands. He seems to uh, already be working on what it's going to take to make this team better. But yeah, if the quarterbacks don't get better or don't get good enough by the spring, by the end of the spring, then they're going to have to go find somebody. Because mm-hmm. as of right now, there is no good enough starter at quarterback on this Auburn team for them to be competitive in the SEC this year. I think, I think it's a fair, fair statement. I, I mean, I think it's fair. I think unless Robbie Ashford takes significant steps forward as far as accuracy, if he does, then I think he can go win you eight, nine games. But right now, we haven't seen Coming up, Trey Wallace, who covers the SEC for Outkick. We'll talk basketball, football, and baseball coming up. Jacob Goins and Carter Bird on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Halfway through hour number two here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line, Jacob Goins and Carter Bird with you on ESPN 1067. As Trey Wallace, who covers the SEC for Outkick, he joins us on the phone lines. Trey, it's been a little bit since we talked to you, man. How are you? Guys, it's uh, it's always great to come on and and chat with y'all and a lot of stuff going on around the conference of the country and 
Hell, we got football going on while basketball's still going on. So, man, it's uh, it's good, guys. Hope you guys are doing well. We are, man. We are doing fantastic, and we know it's a busy time uh, for you, and we appreciate you always hopping on and talking with us. Well, we'll start with basketball as the NCAA tournament rolls on with the Sweet 16 coming up starting tomorrow, and the SEC as a conference tied with the most teams in the Sweet 16. But just your evaluation of what has happened in this NCAA tournament from an SEC standpoint and just the tournament itself? Yeah, I, I think you've seen a, I think you've seen a couple teams that have uh, played themselves out of the tournament with just bad shooting, bad coaching. Um, you know, I, I, I was in Greensboro sitting there watching, you know, Kentucky play. And I thought, you know, the way that they let Kansas State hang around uh, after going on that 13-2 run to start the second half, you know, it, it just – they couldn't find a way to put that team away, and, and, and it comes back to bite them. This game, this state, you know, drains a couple threes down there at the end and, and beats Kentucky. Um, you know, you, you look at the way Missouri lost. You know, not being able to keep up in the second half has, has been killer for some of these teams. And, you know, and, and Auburn, you know, a team like Auburn where, you know, they, they were in the game with Houston. You know, they were. They were going back and forth with Houston, but it finally came down to it where it just seemed like Houston just, just hit a different level. Um, took it to a different speed. All of a sudden now Houston's draining shots from the corner, you know, up to the top when how they were playing a little slow to start the game. So, you know, it, 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 you see why some of these teams get out. You see why some of these teams staying in. I mean, Tennessee, they came out against Duke. You know, they come out and they, they play just physical basketball and they're getting in their face and they're, you know, uh, pushing them around in the post and look, throwing bows and it, it took Duke off their game. So I, I just, I just feel like right now we're sitting in a spot because I mean, like Alabama, Alabama's so good, you know, Brandon Miller can have an off night and, and the rest of the team, Javon Quinterly, they, they can pick it up. Um, I, I just feel like there's a couple teams left, Arkansas included, that could make a run here. Um, I, I think that Alabama has a nice little path to the Final Four. Uh, you beat San Diego State. You turn around. You got to play Princeton or Creighton, uh, where I hear where I'm at. And, and and you know what? If that happens, so be it. Alabama will get you know, tested, I think, and and Houston at the Final Four for Tennessee. I mean, you know, they got they got to go through Madison Square Garden, and that's a lot tougher too. The bright lights of New York, playing mm -hmm. FAU, then turn around and, and and having to play in that second game. So it it should be a lot of fun. Long winded answer, but you know what? I think uh, I think in the end, the SEC I think gets two teams in. Um, we'll see. So with those two SEC teams in, which one are you, which ones are you leaning towards of the three? And uh, who who are your final four right now? If you had to choose it, well, it's tough. Okay, so it's tough to choose the final four right now. Okay, like it, it really is. But I I do think you know Arkansas is playing really consistent basketball. Uh, Ricky Council is playing well. Um, you know, the Mitch Twins are playing well. You look at how they get up and down the court. I, I think that they're going to be can be a problem for for UConn. Uh, in, in that game, I, I think Tennessee's sitting in a pretty spot right now because you get to play FAU or FDU, you're not having to play Purdue, and you turn around and you play Kansas State or Michigan State uh, if you win your first game, first shot in the Final Four. 
Um, if there was ever an opportunity for Rick Barnes to get Tennessee to the Final Four, I think this year is it. I think that with Alabama, um, I, I, I think, look, San Diego State, and then you're going to play a Princeton team or a Creighton team that, you know, does the energy run out for them. I think that's key. You know, here in Louisville, I, I just feel like Alabama's kind of got it made right now to get in. Now, look, there's going to come a time when Alabama's going to have a bad night shooting. And I'm not talking about the other night against Maryland. I'm talking just a bad night shooting from the perimeter, from the paint. They're going to have to find a way to win a game with defense, uh, just straight-up defense. And, and, you know, when that day comes over these next three to four games, you know, that, that, that could be a trap that's laid for the tide. And Trey, you speak of Alabama basketball, given what uh, Nick Saban had to say about uh, an Alabama football player, were, in your mind, was his were his words aimed towards Nate Oates in the basketball program, or Trey, was this just a really poor choice of words from Nick Saban talking about there is no such thing as wrong place at wrong time? First of all, Nick Saban doesn't care about anybody else. And I mean that in a way of the guy, he's just, he's got his head down, he's looking ahead, he just focused on football. Um, as you can tell, the University of Alabama has tried to nip this in the butt real quick <laughs> by having Nick Saban visit the basketball team this afternoon and post pictures for social media. Yeah, we saw that. Uh, you know, it, 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 Come on, man. Like, really? Like, is there a time? Like, this happened? You've had the whole damn season (laughs) to tweet out out a link, a picture of Nick Saban visiting practice or a game or something, and you do it after the comments made yesterday? I mean, it's just – or the day before? It's like, come on, man. Like, none of this is a coincidence. Um, So, you know, I – look. I'm sure Nick Saban, he's not sorry for what he said um, because that's not who Nick Saban is. But is he sorry probably for the way or at least feels crappy for the way that it got brought about because of the other thing that was going on with basketball? Yeah, I would imagine because that's just Nick Saban. Uh, That's just who he is. When he says those type of things, you know, when he said wrong place, wrong time, I can assure you, that was a part of a conversation that Tony Mitchell tried to bring up with him about the incident down in Florida where he was speeding and all that. And Nick Saban just trying to relay that part of the message. And look, that that sorry, that's not an excuse. We're not covering for that. So I don't think there was any harm. Uh, I do think it was funny. I think it was perfect timing. Uh, and I do, you know, deep down inside of me, there's something that knowing Nick Saban covering him for so long, he doesn't say things to do things like that without a reasoning and a purpose. Uh, maybe they sent a little message and, and we'll never know, but, but maybe they sent a message. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, kind of how I took it was, and I, I'm curious if you think that this is more of what it was him sending a message to his own program publicly because of all of the, uh, noise that's been in Tuscaloosa about that NATO's quote, and I think this was his way of of kind of uh, sending a message to his guys, like, "Hey, that's not how we operate over here on our side of the uh, athletic complex." Is is that kind of what you think he was trying to do here? I, I mean, look, 
the football program at Alabama is, you know, the, the welcome mat to the university. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that any time something is going on at the University of Alabama, it involves athletics, and it's not something that Saban's team has caused, something that's going to make the school look bad, mm-hmm. uh, and he has to answer for it, I think he's going to try to nip it in the butt. Uh, or is he, he's at least going to try to change the narrative around the, the, the university and the school. So for him coming out and saying that the other day about Tony Mitchell, first off, makes you makes him look good, which is he doesn't have to do that. Makes your football program look good. Like, okay, we take this stuff seriously. We're not messing around. Let's get it suspended. And you know what? He'll play when, you know, when the investigation's done. And if he's guilty, you know, I don't know if the kid will ever play Alabama. We'll see. But I do think that there was some kind of subliminal message in there to Alabama saying, hey, let's get it together. This is not how we're running. We're, 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 you know, we got Fox News, CBS News, ABC News, blah, 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 trucks parked out in, you know, on our damn university covering us for the last two months for all yep. the wrong reasons. There's, new, let, there's newspapers turn, in England writing about it. Right. Let's let's turn this thing around. Let's figure this out or we're not dealing with this anymore. I think that's what you're getting out of Nick Saban, quietly, behind the scenes. Trey Wallace, who covers the SEC for OutKick, joining us here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line as we talk some football, spring practice around the SEC getting underway as we're starting to get into the groove of it a little bit as teams approach their spring games. What are some storylines and some pieces of information that have caught your eye and your ear so far as we get into spring practice around the SEC? Well, I don't know, Cam Newton throwing at Auburn Spring <laughs> Pro Day. Oh, that I mean, caught your eye too, huh? Uh, that, goodness gracious. Um, I mean, hey, I, I give credit to Hugh Freeze. That, that's pretty cool. Let him do it. Uh, we have, we saw DJ Fluker going to work out tomorrow at Alabama's uh, Pro Day down at uh, you know Tuscaloosa. So, whatever. It, it, it happens. You know, I, I think it's some teams that are, you know, hell, Auburn – Auburn's three weeks in the spring practice. You know that's hard. That's hard for me to believe. That's that's wild. Yeah. Um, but I think I think the biggest thing with Auburn right now, um, just kind of looking at squads overall, Auburn's going to go find a quarterback here at the transfer portal window. They're not satisfied with what they have. Talking with a couple people down there uh, on the plains. Look, Robbie Ashford has potential. Um, T.J. Finley can he run this type of system? I don't know. Um, nothing against him. It's just different type of quarterback, different type of system. Um, I think they're going to go out right, right when that 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 period hits in May. I think they're going to go find themselves a quarterback that can come in, have three months to prepare, somebody that kind of knows the same type of offense, kind of Hugh Freeze runs. Uh, and I think they're going to shore themselves up a quarterback. And then, you know, you you look around. Um, college football right now and and even in the sec uh you know texas a&m you know bobby petrino getting that offense going like this is a big year for texas a&m they can't screw this thing Mm. up man they got to get back on track because if they don't telling you people are getting restless in college station They, they they will they will fire jimbo fisher and pay him money they're not going to sit around and deal with mediocrity so I, I just think you look at a couple spots, and, and obviously, like Georgia, like what's life look like after Stetson Bennett, you know, a quarterback, Carson Beck, or Brock Vandergriff. Like, what, what does that really look like? I think 
you know, we'll, we'll, we'll start seeing that too. So a lot of interesting storylines around the conference. Uh, I know some schools are just getting going. Some schools are, are trying to finish things up here soon. So it's, uh, it's a never-ending cycle, boys. Speaking of uh, A&M, just I'm curious what your thoughts are kind of quickly here at the uh, end of our time. What are your thoughts on Jimbo Fisher's comments about play calling? I know, I know a lot's been made of it. It didn't sound as, um, I guess, committed to letting Bobby Petrino run the offense as I would have expected. I, it, oh, man, it's tough. I, I think he's, look, he's going to let Bobby Petrino run that offense. And there's two reasons for this, okay? Um, he finally gave in and let somebody else come in to run an offense. Okay. So what happens if it sucks? What happens if the, if the offense is bad? Well, Jimbo would be like, well, that was my first time doing it. I'm sorry. You know, I guess I get another chance, right? Figure out somebody else to come in here and run it. Um, I think that Jimbo Fisher understands that he's in a spot right now that he has to be very calculated. Um, and I think Bobby Petrino's offense could do well. He's got to have the right quarterback, you know, mm-hmm. to run it. Um, and, and that's key. Like, like if you look at A&M over the last couple of years, guys, what's been the biggest question? It's been quarterback. With all the talents they brought in or tried to bring in, and we're still asking questions. So I think once they get that figured out, I think they're going to be fine. Um, but I say that it's a big question mark, guys. Quarterback, quarterback, quarterback. And, and if Jimbo and, and Bobby Petrino, two very – Different, weird personalities <laughs> can't figure it out. I'm just saying they're going to pay that money, and, and Jimbo will be uh, out of a job and a lot richer. So we'll see what happens. Quarterback, quarterback, quarterback seems to be the question for a lot of SEC teams right now in football as spring practice is rolling on. Trey Wallace, who covers the SEC for OutKick, joining us on the phone. Man, we appreciate you and your time every single time you're able to hop on and talk some ball with us. Let everybody know where they can keep up with you, all your great work, and what you got coming up. Man, thanks, guys, for having me. I really appreciate it. Uh, It's always a blast. Just got to Louisville. Uh, for some college basketball this awesome. week for the NCAA tournament. So you can follow me at Trey Wallace underscore. Follow all my work at outkick.com. And uh, yeah, man, we're, uh, we're down the home stretch of college basketball. Then to be, you know, focused on football and baseball. So a lot more to talk about, guys, over the next couple months. So I appreciate y'all having me. Yes, sir. We appreciate it. And take it easy. And uh, good to hear from you again. Trey Wallace, again, covers the SEC for OutKick, joining us on the phone lines, talking uh, football storylines, the Nick Saban stuff, as uh, he just conveniently showed up to Alabama's basketball practice today. And uh, again, big thank you to Trey Wallace, again, who covers the SEC for OutKick. As we get to our final break here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line, I've got two more tickets for Auburn baseball on Thursday, the game tomorrow versus Georgia the series opener first one to call you get them 334-321-1390 again two tickets to Auburn baseball versus Georgia tomorrow in the series opener at Plainsman Park 334-321-1390 we'll wrap up the show when we come back you are on the line on ESPN 1067 Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. 
Wrapping up the Wednesday edition of On the Line, big thank you again to Trey Wallace, who covers the FCC for Outkick, hopping on the phone as he is in Louisville for the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight. That's where Alabama will be playing uh, for for the Sweet 16 and Elite Eight if they get that far in the NCAA tournament. And uh, again, big thank you to him. Talking all things SEC, with it being uh, football and spring practice and basketball here in the NCAA tournament, says it's still too difficult to pick uh, pick the Final Four, even down to the Sweet 16. But given what the tournament's been, he's not wrong. It is hard to pick the Final Four because who in the world is going to compete with with Alabama, in my opinion? And who's going to win, who's going to lose? I don't know. It's just so hard right now in this NCAA tournament. I think Alabama's best team still in it, but I think this Alabama team is every bit capable of losing. I mean, we've seen it all year. Well, we talked about it coming into the tournament, but who's going to beat them? That's the, fa- that's the problem I'm having right now. Who's well, going to beat them? If Oklahoma can beat them by 28 or whatever it was and should have been 40, Everybody available in this, everybody still in this tournament except for Princeton can beat this Alabama team if it's the right night. Well, yeah, and well, that's and what makes this tournament so unpredictable. Yeah. That's why it's it's not a great way to determine the best team in the country, but it's so much fun. Yeah, it's a lot of fun, and and like Trey mentioned, something that we have talked about as well is. There are times where Alabama does not shoot it well from deep, doesn't shoot it well from the floor when their stars have off nights. We're still waiting on that to happen in the tournament, but if it does happen, then that would be when they trip up. I think San Diego State gives them a tougher challenge than everybody's expecting. I think San Diego State's a solid squad, and they're really physical down low. I think that that game comes down to the wire. I think the Mountain West, San Diego State makes that one interesting. I'm looking forward to it, though. Um... I'm really worried about what happens if Princeton somehow wins and has to play Alabama oh, in the Elite goodness. Eight because then oh, I think gosh. you're going to see just like yes, an Alabama team just wreck a team in the Elite <laughs> Eight by 35. Yeah, that would be... That's that the would one be... matchup that I'm just absolutely no scenario do I see that team beating Alabama. No. Beating Alabama. Right, and that would be where a, a Cinderella story would come to an end. But also, Trey's comments about uh, he was he was not thrilled that Nick Saban happened to show up to Alabama's basketball practice today because he isn't buying it, and I don't think anybody else is either. There's no, there's no way that this just happened to be on the schedule for Nick Saban to stop by Alabama's basketball practice. So I thought Trey had some interesting thoughts on that as well. He's right, though. Like, <laughs> he is right. They've been they've been good all year. Where have you been? Why does it happen to be forty eight less than forty eight hours after you make some comments that uh, fire some people up and uh, get a lot of people talking about that basketball team potential rift in the athletic department? Yeah, and again, we everybody knows why it happened, and everybody knows that it's the PR stunt in trying to just clear the air, but. Come on, man. Like, you couldn't have done it any other way, any other time. Or this cannot be the first time Nick Saban shows up to practice this year. Like, come on, man. It, it is it is what it is. But good for them. Again, big thanks to Trey Wallace. We know he's busy. Uh, he does great work for OutKick. And uh, we appreciate him hopping on the show. And uh, uh, just talking all things SEC with spring practice underway. Baseball season is still uh, getting into SEC play. And the NCAA tournament for college basketball 
has the Sweet 16 starting tomorrow. And we'll talk about that on tomorrow's show with that and spring practice and all sorts of stuff to talk about here in the month of March. But we are out of time here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Come back tomorrow, 2 to 4, right here on ESPN 106.7. Stay safe. I'll talk to you later.